Welcome to Hollywood 2.0, this is Peter Katz. Our guest today is Christian Hornsbeck, digital director and producer of over 35 online and transmedia projects. We're going to be discussing Cloud Chamber, his new transmedia mystery produced in Denmark. He has teamed up with top professionals from the world of film, TV, and video games to bring the story to life. Yeah, well, we're actually bringing together social networking, gaming, and film in a single site, in a single mystery. Um, and for me, it starts with, I studied film, and, uh, but I spent most of my youth with role-playing games and home computers. And uh, sometime about 1999, I was writing a paper um, on the history of technology and stories. And I just realized that society had moved on Technology was now all about the internet. And the big question now was, how do you tell stories on the internet? And here we are, 14 years later, and that's still the big question. Um, and when you look at the internet, it's about streaming video, it's about social networking, it's about game mechanics. How do you get all those things together to make one story? That's really what we're aiming for. So I spent the last 10 years getting the opportunity to work, you know, as the, as the architects say, that's half the battle. So, uh, I basically, um, started a company and started making online stories for advertising and recruitment, e-learning and so on. Um, and over the last 10 years, I've produced and directed about 35 projects. I think most of them together with Megley Thomason, my, uh, my production manager. So we're really like, a a tight team who've been through a lot and learned a lot and slowly evolved. And then what happened was in, in about 2006 or 2007, we did, uh, we actually did our first mystery where we combined social and film and, and game into one story. And we just realized, Hey, this really works. This is really a, a story experience that we can evolve. And we've now done three of them. Um, and they were all campaign based. So they rolled out week after week. But with Cloud Chamber, we've actually gotten serious film financing. We've got um, uh, two high-level film producers. We've got Vibeke Vindaloo, who produced Breaking the Waves and uh, some of Susanna Beer's films and so on. We've got Ole Sundberg, who produced the Millennium films, also in, in the States. Um, and bringing that together with the 35 projects that Miguel and I have done online, that's really what we're doing with Cloud Chamber. This time, it's premium, so the users are paying for it. Um, and we're bringing together all the experience that we've built over the last 10 years. And based on um, your years of experience, how does that um, inform how you collaborate with this interdisciplinary team for Cloud Chamber? <laughs> well, that's always a good question. I mean, the way it's worked here is that this is the first time we've really had a full feature film production unit working on the film parts and we've done a lot of internet stuff before and we've had film parts before but this time it's you know with the actors and the lighting and the casting and editing everything is is reasonably top-notch for an indie film um and uh you would think that you could just put everybody in a room and 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 hope that you know it would cross-pollinate but it's not my experience that it actually works like that um in my experience it becomes the transmedia director's job to go from the film unit to the game unit to the social unit 
and make sure that everybody is making the same bread or dish or whatever it is. And since the production forms are so different, um, both in time and in structure, um, it really becomes impossible to just mix them. So you have you, the way we do it is we have a core team that steps between all the media and then the film unit is really basically a separate unit and the same with the game unit and the internet unit. Um, does that make sense? Uh, definitely. And um, was there a uh, kind of a story Bible or best practices that was created to um, help navigate this uh, challenging terrain? Well, the the technique that I sort of developed over over all those projects that I've, I've done previously is really to view it more as a um, how do you say me communicating with each part of the team, and since the different teams need different kinds of Bibles, it doesn't really make sense to make one and just expect everybody to read it. Um, the film script is the script for the film parts is so different from the game concept document, for example, and the people who make the game can't really read the script and the people who can read the script can't really understand the game manual or design brief. Um, and it's actually the same. If you go inside a film crew, you'll know that, you know, the writer is thinking in words and the actors is thinking in motions and the, the photographer is thinking in lighting. And it's like that even more on a transmedia project. Um, so what we ended up doing was, I think the core sort of document was really an evolving PowerPoint, which had the main visuals and the main game concepts and the main backstory in an easily digestible form that could be communicated quickly. And that could be modified as each, you know, um, as I was interacting with, for example, the writer, I would modify that. And if I was working with the game designer, I would modify that. So each time I make the rounds, everybody is being updated on what's changing in a very simple and easily accessible form. I like that idea because you give them just what they need versus bogging down with all sorts of information. That's not applicable. But at the same time, of course, you do have to have very detailed film scripts. You do have to have very detailed game briefs. But they are mainly for those parts of the team who are directly working on that. And where did you uh, come up with this uh, approach? Sheer bloody-mindedness. I mean, just slowly figuring out what's necessary. I mean, any kind of directing is really a communications job. It's really about communicating to people the overall vision and finding out what their role in it is together with them. It's not... You know, when, you, when you're looking at the whole team, which is maybe 100, 200 people spread over three years, some of them at some stages, others at other stages, um, it just doesn't make sense that everybody should have the same kind of document. It's much more about getting the vision and then figuring out together with that part of the team what their role is and how they best can, can do it. No, I find it very interesting because but it's typical. Make... It's the, hey, this, there's the people always just say, the story Bible. You know, what's that, you know, and that's going to be the compass for IP. But uh, I definitely appreciate your approach to isolating what's the most valuable information for each department. Yeah, but it's you shouldn't make the mistake of thinking that um, that that means that we don't need detailed documents. Well, not by being detailed. I mean, 
that everything is uh, catered to the specific needs of each individual uh, player in the team. Right. So, um, but one one mistake that that we found that some newcomers to transmedia would, would make would be that people would think that because it's not a full feature film, for example, then you know surely the script will be quickly written. And because it's not a full triple A computer game, for example, then surely the game parts will be quickly done. But don't. <laughs> that's not true because if, if you want quality. The script is going to be just as you know demanding as a feature film script. Um, it may not be quite as long, but each scene and each line of dialogue demands the same care and attention, and the same goes for the game and the social part and so on. No, I've noticed it too. Sometimes people go, "Oh, let's just make it transmedia as an afterthought," but they're not actually improving the experience. Really thinking it out as even though it makes up a giant you know symphony, you have to make sure each component works. You know, so um, that makes sense. And, and if you, yeah, but you're also addressing an audience that is used to quality. You know, the, the audience is not going to buy that because this is transmedia, the acting doesn't have to be as good as it is in a film. Or, you know, because it's transmedia, I'll make do with a less entertaining game component. I mean, the audience doesn't think like that. They want it to be good all the way through. Yeah, we're having a conversation about transmedia storytelling, but the average viewer is not going to even know what that means. No, they just want it to be good, and they have high standards. I mean, they're used to being uh, given a $100 million feature film, and they're not thinking, oh, this is a lower budget, so I, I'm going to lower my demand. It's just not going to work. Um, so whether we can hit that, that's the big question, but, but I think you have to think like that. Did your uh, actors embrace the story extensions? Well, our project doesn't really work like that. Um, we're actually going very much against extensions because we don't believe in them. <laughs> uh, we're bringing everything together on a single site or app. So the film parts, the social part, the game part, everything is on the same site. Um, so, so you're not trying to so you're not trying to migrate the audience from one platform to the next. You kind of keep them in the same place, so it's easier for them to kind of move around without having the friction of having to jump from one place to the next. That's one thing, and the it's exactly right. And and um, it's also about you know we're really flipping the model on its head. The old model was you have a feature film and then you extend it into other media. Well, what we have here is an internet story that fuses different media, and then we'll market it through other channels. But we want people to go to the net website. That's where the main experience is. I see. And are they uh, able to consume your content from multiple you know, hardware, from a smartphone to a laptop to like a TV of internet connection? Well, sure they will be. The first launch we've spent the entire budget on making you know the the web version work but it's built in unity so it's pretty easily exportable to ios and and all the others um smart tv i don't know we haven't we haven't really been looking at that yet mm -hmm. um i think our strategy is to 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 build the initial audience and you know test and and fine-tune everything and then start uh, expanding into other platforms and we're talking about introducing it to um, your audience. What's your strategy doing that since 
you have new viewers and you're introducing them to a transmedia experience that's not based on a well-known story world. Right. Well, what we're doing now is we're looking for media partners because we, we looked at the numbers for trying to build our own audience on a new website and it's not going to work. We don't believe in it. Um, obviously, you can, you can have a lucky punch and it can just take off, but I think our uh, perception is that the internet has been professionalized so much over the last five years uh, that if you're not hooking up with traffic partners who have large traffic streams, then um, it's not going to happen. And the experience that we have from our previous three mysteries is that we can convert about 10% of the visitors we get. So our strategy is really just to place good content in a large traffic stream and then work with the partners either on a revenue share or you know, sharing the information or whatever to make sure it's worth its while for both parties. And since we can convert 10% of visitors, I'm not so worried about it being a new app. No, you uh, brought up a good strategy because you see uh, businesses like Machinima come up on YouTube and they have such a strong audience and they're the distributor. And they frequently partner with content producers because they provide the eyeballs and then the producers were able to create cater the content to the right audience. Exactly. And it, or it could be a portal or it could be, you know, a very large internet service. Because of, um, as I've seen a lot of these transmedia projects that are based on the Dark Knight or Hugh or Harry Potter, whatever it may be, and everyone's like, "Wow, look at that!" You know, and I'm I'm impressed if it's well done. But sometimes it's, they get a lot of credit, but a lot of the times they're they're relying on obviously the the fact that it's well known. But if you're completely creating original IP, then it makes perfect sense to uh, partner with uh, like a machinima type or some type of portal. Yeah, and you have, to, you have to realize this is a completely different game. We're charging for this. This is not a campaign. This is, a, this is a, an entertainment experience for the social media generation. And obviously, we haven't charged it for this before. We, we know we can convert and retain users, but what will happen when they hit the paywall? Well, that's going to be interesting to see. Um, would you look at it as like a free, would it be like a freemium model? No, actually, we're going with a premium model. So the first two levels are free, and they should take between 30 or thirty to 90 minutes to play through those. And then if you want the rest of the experience and you like what we're offering you, then we're asking you to, to pay for the rest. And you can then either buy it one level at a time, or you can buy the whole uh, season one, or whatever we call it. Oh, um, and I meant with the freemium model, just the fact that you're giving them just uh, enough free, and then you have, then you're building into obviously the, the premium experience if they continue on their journey. Yeah, but that's different from freemium because, as I perceive freemium, it's really a, a basically a free play experience where you can keep buying little things. Oh, I see. That it's not continuous. Yours is not continuous. It stops at a point. Exactly, and the challenge here is that because we have feature film quality filmed elements, we have. Um, you know, this is a story about uh, three kids discovering that a signal from another planet has been hidden for 20 years. And so we have an enormous amount of assets. We both have these feature film quality found footage elements where you're trying to figure out what, what happened to these three. We also have their diaries and journals and scientific uh, no notifications and so on. And then we have a collaboration with the European Space Agency where we have 
you know, footage of 3D animations of how the universe works, how particles come down through the atmosphere and so on. So there's, you know, there's 10 to 20 hours of entertainment in there easily. And people who really enjoy it will, can easily spend 50 plus hours in there. But when that's said, making new content is quite expensive. So we can't do what Farmville does or what World of Warcraft does and say, okay, we're going to introduce a new hat and then you're going to spend hours trying to get that hat or you're going to pay to get that hat because our content has to be produced in a, almost a feature film model. And since it's so much content, is it going to be um, this a one purchase or are you going to do some type of subscription model? Well, the way we're offering it to begin with is you can buy the whole first season for somewhere between 10 to $20, or you can buy one level at a time. And then it's obviously a smaller price. And there's 10 levels in the first launch. And um, as you see with a film, you have like a, uh, you have your established, you know, pay-per-view model. And then you have these new startups, like I think VHX, which gives filmmakers kind of a, a more autonomy. What kind of marketplace uh, is it going to be established? Is this going to be bought as like an app? Or is it going to be bought as some type of uh, download, like a video download? Well, it's all going, it all works through a browser. So um, the initial launch is web only, and you'll go through your browser, and then you can pay by credit card or PayPal. Uh, and then we'd like to extend it and make an app as well. Um, but I think there's a really interesting thing here, which is that since this is uh, a combination of a, a closed social network, uh, film and game, this is basically story as a service. I, you know, we've all been talking about you know uh, office packs as a service. You're going to be, you're going to have it on the cloud instead of having it on your computer. But I think this is a quite a central point because one of the problems, of course, right now is piracy, and at the same time, we have business models that don't really work on the internet. And this is part of the solution, I think. Um, it's that. You can't really copy and download this because it's server-based. A big part of the story is social. You're working out what happened to these three together with the other people online. So if you're not online, you're not experiencing the story. So there's nothing, you know, you can download it, you can, you can take our films and put them on YouTube. Well, that will just be marketing because the main experience, just like World of Warcraft, is being in there on that map trying to work out what happened with the other people who are in there right now. So the collaborative nature of it makes it so you can't steal those relationships. Right. I mean, just, just as it's very difficult to pirate something like World of Warcraft because the experience is social, online, and server-based. You know, what I always like is um, how all these different video games which you play uh, instruments and you know, you could download more songs for the experience. I forgot, um, as it was a rock band. You know, it's kind of like you can't, you know, you can't steal that experience. It's like this: uh, the walls are up. But I think with film, it's so much more vulnerable because there's no, there's another thing that differentiates the the free version from the legally, uh, you know, from the purchase version. Well, that's exactly it, and that's exactly. I mean, I'm beginning to think that that's why there's so much trouble in the media world right now is because the business model of the old film format just doesn't work on the internet. 
I mean, it's that simple. And what we remember for me, I'm, I see this as an, an artistic project, but you, this is the exact point where you can't pull the business and the artistry apart because the business demands will actually tell you what you're able to do as an artist. If you want the kind of budget to make these kind of stories, you really have to make it work in the, in the, in the business sense. And let's face it, films just don't work on the internet business-wise. No, they don't work. And music's had a lot of the same problem. I interviewed this guy who invented this um, interactive app for uh, Bjork. Uh, it was an interactive kind of album. And when you provide those type of experiences, it's great and artistically fulfilling and it's innovative. But also it goes along with what you're saying is, it's very difficult to steal that interactive app versus stealing just a song, you know, off the, off like a BitTorrent. So I think, right. so I think as much as people like transmedia and they like interactivity was, it's interesting, but I think people should take on a lot more aggressively because it provides walls that uh, just the traditional medium doesn't have. Yeah. And it's a natural thing because we're really making, you know, we're the social media generation. I'm beginning, I'm finding it increasingly difficult to sit still for two hours and watch a film. I mean, it has to be brilliant to keep me sitting still because I want to poke it. I want to push it. I want to discuss it. I want to do stuff with it. So even though services like Spotify or HBO or Netflix are evolving to make, you know, films work in this new business landscape, because that's really what they're doing. I'm still wondering, do I really want to sit down for two hours and not be able to poke the, the content? And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make something that's absolutely as emotional and deep and, and artistic as, an, as a feature film. But you can poke it and discuss it. You have to poke it and discuss it and navigate it at the same time. Now, it's up to you. And now, are, are the different experiences created specifically for hardcore fans and casual viewers, or is it a one-size-fits-all? Oh, that's a really good... We, we work very hard to make it uh, different for different people. So what we're actually offering is um, like a collaborative detective experience, but just navigating it, we, the, whole, uh, the whole story and the whole format is so much wrapped up in electronic music, dub music, and the signal responds to music and it's gotten into this database. So actually just navigating, you have to navigate the noise in time with the music. So if you're the kind of person who basically you're more for the sensual gamified parts, you can actually rack up enough points to just navigate through the whole thing just by interacting rhythmically and musically and navigating. But if you're the kind of person who likes to discuss and post and comment, then you can earn enough points by being social around these film clips and documents and mysterious uh, journals. And on the third side, if you're really more of a lurker or whatever the word is, you know, you like to watch what other people are talking about, but you, and you like to li maybe press like or dislike or so on, you can actually get through it like that. So, so there's three very di distinct uh, play styles that will get you through the whole thing. So being able to isolate your different types of users. Yeah, or, or it could just be mood-based. I mean, when I'm playing it, sometimes I just want to surf around and enjoy the landscapes and, you know, watch the films. And sometimes I really want to get into discussions. So it could be that as well. So people being able to switch different categories. And when we look at these, um, you know, the lurkers, 
is there a concerted effort to try to convert these lurkers into more um, more hands-on uh, individuals? They're getting uh, they're you know getting more into the experience, or do you just kind of let them be? Oh, I I really don't think I would like to convert anybody. Um, I think the I think lurker is a bad word um, because I think it's a fully valid way to experience something. Um, so so no, I mean we've made it possible for you. If what you like to do is just hang around and see what the others are doing and maybe vote on who's doing it best and who's perhaps not doing it so well. That's a perfectly valid way of, of getting through it. I think the big lesson here was Farmville, which showed that it's not supposed to be difficult to enjoy it. It's just about if you're willing to invest the time, you will progress. I see. So everyone's able to enjoy it in their own way. Well, that's, that's the thing about stories. And that's one of the blind alleys that we think that the ARGs have gone down which is that the ARGs have really made it difficult for people to enjoy the content because it's all about puzzle barriers and you can't get to this if you don't solve this and so on. And we think that's, I mean, we've, we've been there, we've done it, we enjoy it, but it's a very small audience, we think, that really enjoys that. Um, we're really trying to get the same kind of audience that would watch a mainstream TV series or a movie or something like that. And they don't really enjoy being stopped. I don't really enjoy being stopped. I enjoy the story. I enjoy interacting with it. But I don't want to say, oh, I can't get any further. That's not an enjoyable story experience for me. Because some of these uh, puzzle-based ARGs, they have a really strong you know, following, but they're pretty small because it seems like they're the same way that they're only catering to a niche, right? Well, it seems like you want to have a much broader net. Our ambition is, you know, if you like Facebook and you like a good story, we think you'll like this. It's really, you know, Facebook is a little bit sometimes like inviting your friends over to watch TV and there's nothing on. So you just sit there discussing the news or discussing the weather. We're really trying to make that experience into a story experience. So you have something to discuss, and what you have to discuss is a mystery, and it's emotionally involving. Um, so with, I mean, who doesn't like a good story? Everybody likes a good story. And who doesn't like Facebook? Well, there's a billion people who like Facebook. So that's our audience. We You're think. giving people something more interesting to discuss than uh, cat pictures. Right. I do like cat pictures. Though. I do too. Uh, cats are adorable. <laughs> but you're, you're, giving, you're giving an alternative. Exactly. Exactly. And, and uh, so it's so you're going right now. You're focusing on this. Uh, you're directly connecting to your consumer and able to sell this experience. Is this going to be your long-term business model, or is this something that's more something that's for the short term, and then you're going to iterate and it's going to expand to something entirely different than I imagine? We're going to listen and learn. That's for sure. Um, this is our thesis right now. This is what we think the world needs, to be honest. Um, whether we've been able to pull it off, well, you'll have to see that when it launches. But um, we seriously think that uh, what the Internet needs is content that does these three things. It's social, it's a game, and it's a film story. Um, 
And if that works in a premium level, then yes, that's what we're going to do. And we'd like to do more. We'd like to do Cloud Chamber Season 2. And I have a new uh, project that I'd also like to do. Um, but whether it will be premium, whether we, whether, I mean, we're very open to discussing or, you know, experimenting with the business model. It may be that a major sponsor comes in and say, look, we'll buy it for this territory if you offer it for free. And then it says, you know, Samsung presents or whatever. We'd be open to that if it doesn't, you know, ruin the story. Um, so, so that would be a different business model. Um, and there are so many business models right now. So we're, we're really thinking of it like we're going to go out with this initial business model in the first territory we get a media partner. And we have a few we're in discussion with. And then we're going to look, learn, and listen. And then if that's not exactly right, then we'll change the business model. Um, that's, that's the great thing about software. We can change it. It doesn't have to break just because we change it. And uh, are you... Uh creating kind of a framework for the analytics to support how you'll iterate it in the future? Is there some type of uh, a game plan on that end, how you're going to gather the information and then interpret it? Yeah, the, the analytics is hooked up as, as details as we can do it right now. Um, and we're very much looking forward to getting a lot of users in there to, to see, you know, where do they spend their time, what do they enjoy most, where do they drop off, um, and so on. But our anticipation is that as soon as we launch, we're going to realize that there's about 10 things that we, sh we should also be analyzing. And then we'll start looking at that. Um, I think we're all very, including our investor, is very um, aware that this is a learning experience. Um, if it takes off right out of, the, out of the paddock, then great. If it doesn't, well, then we're going to have to iterate and, and keep polishing and changing until it works. And, and works would be a sustainable uh, business that could continue supporting future seasons of the story? Absolutely. And, 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 and more stories with new storylines and new characters and new plots and so on. I mean, I, I very much want to make a career out of this. I've directed 35, you know, work for hire projects. And this is the first, you know, we're building it, we're partners in it. The Danish Film Institute has invested a decent budget in it. Um, our private investor is investing in it to bring it to market now. Um, this is what we want to do. We want to make stories on the internet, uh, both as storytellers and, and for the business in. Um, whether we'll get it, nobody expects to get 100% right, but I think, I mean, the tests we've been doing at high schools here in Copenhagen and so on, you know, the, the kids don't want to leave. So uh, we're, we're quietly optimistic. And you see uh, Netflix and HBO Go. So there's a lot of these really uh, easy to use distribution channels to consuming high quality content, but it doesn't seem a lot of those big players has yet to evolve into really providing the needs of a, uh, such a socially connected, uh, you know, advanced audience yet. You know, it, se it seems yeah, like it seems like it seems like they're it seems like they should, but no one has really jumped into it on a really high level like yourself. I mean, the only other people that I think about are ones that are, are doing it for promotion. You know, they're maybe promoting a, a movie, but it's not it's not baked into the entire IP itself. Oh, but there are a few things out there. I mean, Fourth Wall Studios did some 
did some really nice attempts. Um, there's another one, the hashtag killer. I haven't actually seen it. Um, and that was from Social Samba. Well, we had the founder on, uh, uh, he was talking about his experience. But that was definitely more of a, I felt more of a promotional effort connected to the mothership, which okay. was the traditional uh, TV show. And I, th I think Fourth Wall is definitely a good, um, good example. Fourth Wall, they have, uh, they, they had a simultaneously the, the platform that they were creating while they're also uh, producing the content with you. It seems like you're using you're you're working with pre-existing uh, platforms uh, on the social networks instead. Yeah, I think I'm not quite sure I understand your question. But oh no no no, I was just saying uh, I was I was bringing up that it seems like what you're doing is pretty uh, is pretty unique in this uh, marketplace. Well, maybe it is. I've, I've been wondering about that too, and but you know we just spent three years making this, and um, it wasn't easy. I've done 35 internet stories before, and three of them were online mysteries, and I thought I knew exactly what I was getting into. But I'll tell you, the one, th one of the things that really threw us creatively was that all our other uh, projects were time-based campaigns. So as I said, they rolled out week after week, and when the story was over, they were finished. This meant that we could moderate them. You have no idea how many shortcuts you can take in production when you know you have a moderator on the other end to pick up the slack. Once you remove that, once you decide this one has to be permanent and it has to be scalable, the moderator goes. Because we had, I mean, in one of our projects, we had to have one moderator for every 3,000 active users. We want millions of users for this one. That would mean thousands of writers. Yeah. There's no way that's going to scale. So... An incredible amount of effort has gone into both not just quality assurance of the script and the storylines and all that on multiple different levels going forwards and backwards in time and so on, but just on making a game system where the users are really moderating each other. And at that point, it just, we felt at least creatively that the difficulty level really went up because, you know, suddenly you really have to combine a deep knowledge of film with a deep knowledge of social with a deep knowledge of gameplay. And getting those guys in the same room and just getting through that, that's, uh, I think that, that would stop a lot of people. Uh, if we hadn't done so much before, I think it would have stopped us. Yeah, there, there really isn't uh, that many uh, players in this, uh, in this space that are doing it at this, you know, at this level, you know, production value and, you know, definitely scope. No, and, and then at the same time, we've been incredibly privileged because of two things. One is that Vibeke Vindaloo and Stina Lassen, our producers, stepped in here. And they were really able to create a space around the whole creative process, which I've only ever been able to dream about because I'm used to working on commercial deadlines. But here, they really made it possible for us to just keep working on solving these problems until it was good. And they really left us to do that. And one of the things they did was they li liaised with the Danish Film Institute, which financed the production. And that's where we're lucky here in, in, in some parts of Europe is that we have a, a, a film institute like the Danish Film Institute who are actually able to invest in R&D like this. Because, you know, it's not a big budget, um, but it's, a, you know, it's like an indie feature film budget or something like that. But just making it possible for everybody to just do good work and just keep going until it really works is just 
for me, that's an unheard of situation. I've never tried that before. And it's just been wonderful. And, you know, that kind of constellation, the fact that, that somebody of Vibica's stature was able to step in and make this possible in a medium that she hadn't worked in before. Uh, I think we just got real lucky there. <laughs> oh, it's and um, but I but it, it I watched when I watched the the trailer. I was looking at this and I was like, wow, this is this is a high level this is a high level project, and it it's not it's you know it's it's not a novelty. It's you're actually thinking about the user experience. But sometimes I think certain transmedia projects, all they're trying to do is get by on like a press release, but not actually deliver on any type of promise. Well, yeah. I, I don't know about that. I, I do know that a lot of transmedia projects are, are, are made on extremely tight budgets and extremely tight uh, schedules. And for once, we've had a budget. We've had a decent budget and we've had a decent schedule. And um, we put everything we could into creating value for the end user, really making it a good experience. Um, so yeah, but but we've been very privileged there to be able to do that. And it, it's, and it, and it's good, but it's good that there is that you are setting an example of such high quality, and you you know become a role model. And then like if future storytellers have certain kind of like a mark to aspire to, because just in traditional film, a guy who's an aspiring director could look to uh, another filmmaker and say, all right, that's the type of movies I want to make. But there you know there hasn't been that much for in the world of transmedia storytellers because. Someone who's aspiring to get into that in that space, there isn't that many, uh, you know, you know, original IP on that level. So it's great to start putting that type of work out there. Well, I really appreciate that, but it's also, I think, the business model is really the problem with that because obviously there would be more decent transmedia budgets if the business model was proven, and you know, we're all holding our breath here because if we can prove that there's an audience for an online mystery mixing these three things, social game and, and, and film, then the gates open. Because obviously, as soon as the investors see that, okay, we put in a buck and we get one and a half bucks out, then suddenly they're willing to invest in all these transmedia people. And there are a lot of good transmedia talent out there. Um, so it, uh, for me, it's very much about getting the business model working so we can concentrate on telling the stories we really want to tell. And just just wrapping up, so one of the last questions is, um, based on all your experience, um, what is your advice uh, f to uh, transmedia storytellers out there who are inspired by uh, your project? Well, I don't know about advice, but I can tell you what worked for me. Um, what worked for me was the idea that getting the opportunity to work was half the battle. I spent some years doing whatever I could to getting the experience to actually making projects and basically building experience like that. And in the end, um, that was what did it because when I made Vibika Vindaloo, um, I know she's very much into, you know, uh, does she find the collaboration inspiring and, and so on. But obviously the fact that I'd done so many things, the fact that I'd made so many projects, was what created trust. And the same went for the Danish Film Institute. Obviously, with Vibika, they had, uh, she's done 30, she's produced 30 feature films, literally. Um, so they were, had complete faith in her ability to deliver the film part of the project. And the fact that 
uh, Mitchell Thomason and I uh, had done 30, 35 online projects, well, that created trust that we knew how to deliver that part of it. And now when we're going out of the market, we have a great CEO called Frederik Ovlesen, uh, difficult to translate. And obviously, he's now creating trust that we're taking the business side seriously. So, you know, whichever part of transmedia you really want to do, um, my advice is just do it. <laughs> Get and, and do it a lot. You know, uh, don't be precious about it because, you know, I did a lot of, I always wanted to be, I was inspired by film directors, but I was also inspired by the idea of the internet as a new storytelling medium. So I, what I really wanted to do was have the kind of job that film directors had, but I wanted to have it on the internet. So how do I do that? How do I build the experience to do that? Because I don't see anybody else doing it. So I did advertising, I did recruitment, I did e-learning, and slowly the projects got bigger and slowly I got better. And then I met Miguel and, and so on. You know, it's, yeah, for me, it's getting the opportunity to do the work and build the experience. That's really a, a big part of the battle. Oh, great. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I, re I look forward to uh, experiencing it for myself. I'll be, I'll be one of the first people to sign up. I'm excited to check it out. Yeah, and you know, uh, maybe you can put the trailer up on your page. And, uh, oh, well, we'll definitely. It and if, if anybody is interested, uh, we really are looking for partners and media partners all over the world. Um, we have conversations going some places here in Europe, but uh, we're, we're out looking. All right, perfect. And where um, could they find you? Well, the company is called Investigate North. So it's at investigatenorth.com. And uh, yeah, they're very welcome to email me at uh, christian at investigatenorth.com. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hollywood 2.0. This is Peter Katz. You can check me out at peterkatz.net. It's K-A-T-Z. And you can email me at katzfilms at gmail.com. I appreciate the feedback.